Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription, trust me. Mm. If you don't, you will fall out of bounds. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Welcome back, everybody, to the Birdies and Bourbon show. Um, we are being joined tonight by infielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Kevin Kramer. Kevin, how you doing, my friend? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is going to be fun. Absolutely. Um, So a little bit jealous. Uh, The good news is, is I'm going to be sipping on the same whiskey you are. (laughs) However, I cannot do it outside, man. So uh, rubbing it in already, starting the show off right. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. So um, spring training hasn't started yet, right? No. Pitchers and catchers reported today. Um, It's been obviously weird with COVID and, and, you know, getting us all tested and stuff. So um, I got done here early trying to get my family settled, just kind of hanging out. We're obviously staying on a golf course. So I've been able to get out a couple, a couple times, um, you know, but being from Arizona, getting out to Florida, time change, kind of getting into a little bit of a routine. So um, I start, I'll start in a couple of days here. Once I go, you know, through the intake testing and then physicals, and then we'll be hitting the ground running. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, so before we get started, got a lot of questions for you. Oh, we got another first timer. We have not had a baseball player on the show we yet. We have not. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're, awesome. break, we're breaking new ground. I'm sure I, uh, I, I did. I, sh- I probably should have brushed up on my baseball terminology, but <laughs> the good news is I do know a little about golf. Uh, I know a little bit about whiskey, but we are not professionals at either. So we just like to have a good time. But uh, so I sent you over some samples. And we got three bottles, so ABC, and um, we're going to do a blind tasting. So we don't we know what we're drinking, but we don't know what's in each glass. Okay, and okay. we'll we'll kind of talk a little about these as we're uh, getting to know you a little bit on the show. Uh, but cut, so I'll tell you why I picked these three bottles. So these are all uh, I'll call them uh, kind of craft spirit uh, companies. We've got two that are source product. Eventually they're going to be, well, they've already distilled their own stuff. They're just letting it age. And then we've got one that is, uh, it is distilled and bottled at the actual distillery. But all three of these are either a high rye mash bill or a hundred percent rye. So we're kind of going into the rye whiskey category. We're going to get some different nuances off of all these, but uh, yeah, it should be fun, man. And uh, we'll, we'll gain a little bit of knowledge about rye whiskey today. Beautiful. So I'm going to go ahead and get us started. I'm going to go and nose, uh, nose a kind of see where, uh, where we wind up with this one at. Uh, but yeah, I think I sealed those bottles that way. Oh, really... it's got, it's got tape on it. It's got tape on it. Oh, yep. Yep. That'd be a good start. He's tricky, man. Off, right? He's tricky. He's really upped his game on the packaging. I'll tell you hey, that. The, the packaging was fantastic. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, so, so if I don't tape them up like that, uh, so amateur, amateur hour, right? So if you ship in plastic bottles, they almost all the time leak like the little airplane bottles, almost all the time, those things leak and into the glass yeah. bottles. If you don't seal it, you know, put some tape or something around it. Uh, they have a propensity to leak too. So, hmm. all right. So, so I'm kind of getting, I mean, the, the thing that jumps out to me the most on this one, I'm getting a little bit of brown sugar I'm mm. getting a little bit of mint on the nose. Oh, 
I definitely get the mint. Get a little brown sugar too. Yeah. I get a little citrus too. Yeah, got some citrus. It's kind of I got a kind of a thin mouthfeel. Um, kind of hitting me on the tip of the tongue, so not getting uh, the the finishes. Uh, I'd say it's quite short on the finish, but uh, but pretty tasty. So uh, so Kevin, you're what? Uh, where are you at in um, in Florida? Uh, we're in Bradenton, just outside of Sarasota. Okay, awesome. And what uh, what course are you on? Um, we are on River Strand Golf and Country Club. Cool. Huh. So right. it's um, it's a little you know it's a little bit of an older community. I actually I actually stayed out here. I actually bought a place um, a condo here when I first signed with the Pirates. Um, I got to claim some Florida residency for our bonus. But, um, <laughs> I, I lived out here for one off season and was able to train at the at the facility, but. Um, it's a good spot. You know, it's, it's, it's a solid, it's a solid course. It's, it's a little bit of an easier course, which I love of course, but, um, yeah, sure. you know, it's a good spot. And I, I loved it when I, when I lived here, cause, um, most of the members would play in the morning. So you had pretty much from one thirty on courses wide I mean, open. I, I was knocking out before a kid, obviously I was knocking out, I was knocking out around in two hours, Yeah, nice. you know, and, and wow. jump in the pool and then dinner at five. So, I mean, it was, it was great. Do you play left-handed or right-handed on golf? I play right-handed. I do too. Which is really, really awesome because I don't have to worry about a swing. You know, like I remember I played in college. We were playing golf on off days um, at a local course that you would play a six-hour round, Rancho Park, right there in the middle of L.A. Mm. Yep. And uh, we got in the next day after the off day, and our coaches were giving us crap because we were playing golf. They're like, it's going to ruin your swing. It's going to ruin your swing. And I'm like, I golf righty. So we're good. And they're like, play as much as you play as much as you want from then on. It's been, it's been great. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Sweet. So, uh, so you went to UCLA, right? Yes, sir. Uh, so did you ever have a chance to play, uh, Riviera country club? I wish I wish (laughs) I, uh, that's a common answer. I wish. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I actually, me and like one of my best golf partners, we actually, who is also a baseball player. We got to know some of the golfers on the UCLA team pretty well. And their two home courses was Bel Air and mountain gate, which is like sits above the four Oh five and looks straight down. Oh, wow. Oh, awesome. So we never got to play Bel Air, but, um, there was one time that we went on with a golfer and we posed as golfers and we got to play mountain gate and then we both shanked our first tee shots and the guy was watching us. He's like, yeah, something's not right. (laughs) We couldn't have just hit one fairway. That's the only fairway you needed to hit the whole entire round. But, um, no, I, I have not. It's funny because I didn't really start playing golf until I got to college. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I was so busy playing baseball growing up. I also played football in high school. So during the summertime, it was, pretty much back and forth baseball and football. Um, so I started playing golf in college, which is not a time in your life that you should really be spending extra money because you're a broke college kid. (laughs) Um, and then obviously, you know, getting drafted, I had a little bit of time in the off season to come up to, to play golf. So that's, that's kind of where it started to really, you know, grow. And obviously my passion for the game is, is very high. So, um, kind of all works out. So, so kind of, are there, are there takeaways that you're able to leverage in either golf or baseball from a swing standpoint that you've, you know, where you've kind of correlated the two and said, okay, well, and and it may not be that I'm using it, that I'm, that you're applying it. It may be that, Hey, I know I don't need to do this because it's going to, you know, impact it one way or the other. Yeah. I think, 
there's a bunch of takeaways for me, not only in the game of baseball and golf and also with, with when it's related to swings, I think biomechanically golf is so far ahead of baseball and just in, you know, in terms of understanding how the body moves. And I think the one thing in baseball is like, well, we can't control, we can't control it because the ball's moving. And it's like, that may be true, but at the same time as a hitter, these pitchers are so good that all you're trying to do on a consistent basis is put yourself in the best position possible. Right. And so like that has no, the pitcher has no effect on that. If you're able to put yourself in a consistent position every single day and you're in a good spot to hit and a good spot to rotate, that's, that's your main focus. Whether you hit the ball hard or whether you hit the ball and get a hit or a double or a homer, that's out of your control. Yeah. You know, you can hit a 105 mile an hour line drive and line out to the second baseman and mm-hmm. You know, some guys are like, man, I didn't get a hit. My average is going down. And I'm like, well, but I did what I was supposed to do. I control what I was supposed to control. And I think that's where I start to relate it into golf. I can hit a perfect drive and it can hit in the middle of the fairway and hit a sprinkler head and end up in the bunker. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, yeah, it's not ideal, but I did what I was supposed to do. And <laughs> there are certain things where I'm like, it's a good test for me also to play golf in the middle of the year sometimes because it's a good reminder, like, yeah, golf and baseball are really hard. And it's nice to have a little bit of grace with yourself when things maybe aren't going your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're in my opinion, and not just cause I play both of them consistently, but they're, they're two humbling sports because in baseball, you know, the old adage is if you get three out of 10 hits, you're a hall of famer. Well, not many guys even hit 300 anymore because everyone throws a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. But in golf, you could hit all the great shots and it may not add up to birdies. It may not add up to a good score at the end of the round. And I think that's where I kind of see that shift in, you know, it's, it's a mental, it's a mental workout more than anything. Um, and that's where, why we all are just suckers for the game. That's a great answer because what I thought he was going to say, Cal, is that he hasn't played T-ball since he was eight. That's my line. Don't be stealing my lines. Uh, All right. So, hey, and save some some of A. We're going to revisit it after we go through some of these. I'm still working on A a little bit. So I'm kind of getting kind of some some malty or a grain thing on that one as it's kind of sitting around and opening up a little bit. I don't know why, but I keep getting like a little hint of like honey. Just a little bit. Mm -hmm. On A? Yeah. On A, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting it on the finish is where I'm getting kind of the honey yeah. part at. Yeah, you yeah. too? Yeah. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slide over to B and uh, test this one out. I do get the honey so, on A too, yeah. So so as a baseball player, you know, you uh, you know, as, as a kid, right, you're you're growing up and you're, hey, I want to do this and whatever. It doesn't have to be baseball, but, but let's say in your case, well, I don't know, I'll ask you, in your case, was it be a baseball player? I mean, initially, no. I mean, of course, right. The pipe dream is everyone wants to be, you know, a hall of famer. Um, yeah, I come from a smaller town. So like no one really, there was a, a very, very select few guys that went on and played, you know, not only in college, but in the professional levels. Um, so yeah, I mean, I always, you know, of course, you know, the one dream is I would, I'd love to be a baseball player, but, um, I don't think I really, you know, fully understood you know, the fact that I was going to be putting myself in a position to do that one day. Um, my dad was a firefighter. Uh, so like, you know, for me growing up, I lived in the firehouse, you know, if I wasn't playing, we were at the firehouse. My mom is an absolute saint for handling three boys. I'm the youngest (laughs) of three boys. 
So we would drive up, you know, my dad worked, you know, 20 minutes away. We drive up and we hang out at the firehouse all day long. And it was great. And it was, you know, a family environment. We got to know, um, obviously all the firefighters in, in the department, but you know, those, those guys are like second dads to me. So I think for me growing up, like it was, Oh, you're going to be a firefighter. You want to be like your dad. You, you get to slide down the, the old style poles. And it was like, man, this is what it's all about. And then obviously as I got a little bit older and started to play more and started to play a little bit more competitively, competitively, it turned into like, yeah, I could probably do this. Um, so I think that's, for me, it started out as it's just what you did because you were good at it. And because my brothers played it and everyone played it. And then, you know, little by little, I was that kid that was, you know, better than everyone because I had played more than anyone. Right. You know, my brothers are four and seven years older than I am. So I was playing from an early, early age. And so inevitably, I, I mean, I, I ended up better than most of the kids in the area. And then it kind of turned into one of those things where you started going out of the area to play. And then at that point I was like, yeah, I think I could probably do this. Not maybe not in the big leagues, but definitely the next level. And I think that was kind of my approach was let's take it a little step by step and not get ahead of ourselves. And then now we're here. Mm, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. And, I, and I'll uh, take, take a sip, but then, and I'll ask this one. You can kind of think about it before you answer. But so when did you, I mean, was there a, can you remember like the, when you, you, you woke up and you're like, holy shit, like I'm, I can actually really go. I mean, is there like a specific moment or did it just kind of gradually turn into, you know, you can, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go all the way. Number one, B is really good. Mm. Um, I, for me, you know, like I played on a, a travel team out of the, out of the Bay area up in San Francisco. And I'm, I'm from the central Valley about an hour and a half, two hours away. And so like, I started playing with that team and I was the worst kid on the team and I didn't play very much. And so that was kind of a little bit of a culture shock for a kid that was the best kid, you know, in the town or whatever you want to say, not being, you know, braggy, but like just in general, I, I went to an out of area team to play against better competition. And I started, I, I, I was, I started out on the bench for this team and the coach was like, Hey man, you're not going to play a whole lot these players are just better than you and they're more developed. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm not, but I, I stuck it out and, you know, kind of worked my way into a starting job, um, starting job as a 14 year old, but I mean, truth, truthfully starting job. Um, and then when I think it really blossomed was I was playing out in Arizona where I live now, but, um, as a 15, a 15 year old, and it was like this USA tryout, you know, USA baseball tryout tournament where you play on your own team, but there's evaluators there and um, they picked me to go and try out for the team. So it was a fully separate tryout. Um, went out to, they held it at Cal state Fullerton out in LA and they hosted, I think like 64 guys. And it was like a week long, not, I want to say fantasy camp, but a week long tryout and you were right. playing every day. I ended up making the team and played for the 16 and under USA team. And my starting shortstop was Francisco Lindor <laughs> and I played and I, and I played second base. And I think for me at that point was like, Holy crap. You have to like, look up and realize that you are a really good player and you want to obviously remain humble, but at the same time, you have to understand where you've come from and where you are now. And I mean, shortly after that, I committed to UCLA. Um, and I think from that point on, I was like, okay, you've put in the work, you're here. 
that doesn't mean you stop working, but you have to also appreciate the fact that, you know, you come from a small town, you got a chance to play on a, on the USA team, got a chance to play with some really, really good players. And, you know, next thing you know, you're at UCLA. Next thing you know, you get drafted. Next thing you know, you're in the big leagues, like those little things right there. But I think that that making that USA team was like, okay, I can do this. You know, I, 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 not that I belong there, but I, you know, affirmed to myself that the work that I had put in up to that point was, was working in my favor and I was going to continue to, you know, to progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, st- did you know you wanted, you, did you know that you were going to go to UCLA or was it, you know, whether that's just where you kind of gravitated towards or with best, best offer options kind of thing. So knowing that I wanted to kind of stay in, in California to be, you know, relatively close to friends and family. Um, there was three schools I really boiled it down to. Um, the first school that offered me was Fullerton mm-hmm. and they offered me before I even made the USA team. Wow. UCLA offered me after I had gotten back from actually after I finished football season, my junior year and Cal Berkeley, which was my dream school was the second offer. Mm-hmm. And so I, you ask anyone and I was, I was going to Cal, you know, <laughs> Cal's an hour and a half away. I grew up a Cal fan. My whole family's from San Francisco. We didn't like Stanford. I didn't like the color red. I was going to, I was going to Cal, you know, like it was kind of a no brainer and you know, like being from Northern California, you don't, you don't really, I didn't go down to Southern California very often. So, you know, LA was kind of like scary, you know, you didn't really know they had like traffic. The only traffic that we really knew was like tractors that were backing up the road. So, you know, obviously like, I would go up to the Bay area a lot to see family, but it was just a different experience. So then I went up to Cal. I took my unofficial visit, which I don't even know if they classify that anymore, but like off the books, you know, you go up there, you get toured around the campus, you see all the facilities. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna go to Cal, but let's just, let's just go to LA and let's, let's see what they have to offer. And, um, all the offers were pretty much right on the same, the same, you know, percentage as far as scholarship. Uh, baseball, they don't really give out 100% scholarships very often like they do in football because there's only a, a limited amount. Right. Um, and I don't know what it was, what was in the water, but like I walked on a U- UCLA campus. I was like, wow, this place, I could see myself here. I may not be the most comfortable, you know, going from a small town with, you know, 50,000 people in a farming town to LA with 15 million, but I could see myself being here. And we got back from the trip and I was like, I, I know it's probably not the safe choice. Um, but I feel like if I don't, if I don't leave now, if I don't get out of Northern California, if I don't experience this, I may never. Mm. And I think that's also played a big part in it. And it wasn't, you know, the easiest decision to go down there and, um, you know, get adjusted to a whole new lifestyle, but I'm really grateful I did it because you know, looking back now, it was a big chance for me to grow and, and get out of my comfort zone and, um, had an unbelievable experience there too. So it all, it all worked out. And, um, probably the, the last, I wouldn't say the third choice, cause it's a phenomenal school and a phenomenal sure. baseball program, but probably the one that I didn't see myself picking, um, in any of the situations. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's, um, and that was, I think you were there in 2010, right? So my first year was 2012. Okay. Gotcha. The year, the year after, uh, Garrett and Bauer were there. Got it. And so, um, 
yeah, I got there in 12, 12, 13, 14. And then I ended up getting hurt my junior year and ended up going back for my last year, which was 2015. And then you did, so you had two world series, college world series appearances, right? Yeah. So we went in 12 and we ended up losing to, uh, Arizona and then Florida state. We got knocked out by Florida state. And then in 13, we went back and had a not very talented team, but a team that just rode the hot streak. And I think anyone on that team will tell you, like the teams I played with on 12 and in 15 were very talented, but I think we all kind of took it for granted. And then in 13, we just like scratched our way and clawed our way and got hot at the right time and ended up winning the college world series. Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Wow. It was gnarly. Congratulations, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. It's like in, in hindsight, it's like, you know, damn, that UCLA pick was a good choice. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, hard to look back and say that, uh, say you made the wrong choice, right? I mean, you, you know, especially in team sports and, you know, yeah. kind of the way you wind up, right? I mean, it's so. Uh, so what about, what, uh, what do you think about B? I'm getting like a ton uh, on the finish on this thing. I get a huge menthol bomb on it. Um, uh, getting a little bit of uh, kind of some clove uh, caramel on the nose of this thing. And uh, it's definitely spicier, uh, yep. oakier than, uh, than the first one. Get a little, little, little peppery with the finish too, which is what I love. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And just so, uh, so we've got some different proof points, right? So, and this is in no particular order the way these are set up, uh, but the Hewling station it's uh, it's an MGP source product currently. They will be making their own juice shortly. Uh, it is a single barrel and it's 116 proof. Uh, the Catoctin Creek. This one is the uh, the Rabble Rouser bottled in bond, and uh, being it's bottled in bond, it's 100 proof. And then uh, we go over to Sagamore, which is also an MGP product, and uh, coming in at 83 proof. Uh, two of them are at least four years old. And then the Sagamore, no, the, the Hewling station is uh, six years plus. I think it's like six years and three months or something. Mm-hmm. Nope. So six years. Exactly. So, yeah. So some different proof points, uh, you know, generally speaking, two of them have a similar makeup, but you know, all high rye or a hundred percent rye. So kind of some different, uh, different takes on what you may gravitate towards if you're, if you're going, you know, and I didn't, I guess the, the other reason I sent these out, I don't know if you can get these, you should be able to get them in Florida, but I guess being in Arizona, I don't, have you tried any of these brands before? I have not. No? Arizona, yeah. man, Arizona is, saturated with bourbon lovers apparently (laughs) because i've had this i've had to just absolute hunt in the weirdest ways possible to get some bottles because it's been it's been pretty uh pretty thin uh with 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 bottles and um just a lot of clicks i guess with guys getting bottles not even hitting shelves right never you know you got I got joined all the Facebook groups out there with bottle drops, but I'm, I'm not going to go stand in line behind a building yeah, you know, not either. to, nah, to nah. wait three hours. <laughs> like I'm good. I'm good. I, I've, I've, uh, I've secured some pretty solid picks for like, I don't know how, but like I got, I got like an EH Taylor barrel proof nice. for six for 60 bucks. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I feel lucky to get that because you look at some of the, 
Facebook groups when they're selling them for a thousand bucks, dollars. I'm like, wow. I'm good. I'm yeah, good. I, I, I don't roll that way either, man. There, there's too much good stuff out there. And I mean, these are three <clears> great <throat> expressions that, you know, generally speaking, I think the most expensive one is Catoctin Creek. I believe I didn't look that up. I think it's like 70 bucks, but I mean, everything here is, you know, easily less than a hundred. And I would say generally speaking, it's, it's, a, it's pretty available, uh, in, yeah. you know, in, in a lot of places and there's no reason to stand in line. And it's kind of like, Hey, you know, it's like, if you, if you like Weller, uh, Hewling station, the weeded uh, expression is like, you know, go, go down that road, man. You're going to pay yeah. fair, it's fair price. You're going to yeah. find it, you know, that really kind of thing. Too. So, yeah. uh, so where are you at in Arizona? What's uh, what city? So we live out in Gilbert, probably, you know, it's like 30 minutes Southeast of Scottsdale. Okay. Okay. So uh, we're, we're like Southeast Valley, like pretty much full on strollers and car seats suburbia cool yeah, yeah. Nice. a little bit slower than scottsdale scottsdale's great man but it's fast yeah <laughs> it's there's a lot going on there when did you first get into bourbon so don't hate me for this no we're not but so our triple a is in indianapolis and in the division for indianapolis is louisville so I played in Louisville in 2018, 2019 and 2018. I was like, I was in one of those funks where you, like, you just didn't really leave the hotel room. You just kind of went to the ballpark, didn't really explore, didn't want to do any of that. 2019, I had a, a really, really good teammate of mine who had been around a little bit, a little bit of an older guy who would always have bourbon, um, in, in his, in his locker. So we'd sit around, started getting into it a little bit. Um, and, but, but still, even in 2019, I, I didn't go and do any tours. I didn't do any of that stuff. And now looking back, I'm like, how did you not do anything? You know, <laughs> uh, angels envy is right across the street yeah. from the AAA ballpark. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, looking back now, it, it's a good reminder because in baseball, you can get into these little bit of not, you know, mental slumps where you're like, Oh, I'm just going to go home, watch baseball, go to sleep, live, eat, breathe baseball. But like there is an outside world going on there. And it, it's, <laughs> you know, you in baseball, you, you leave for eight months, you're gone for eight months, you know? So you kind of do remove yourself from the whole entire outside world because you're in this one little, you know, one little group, you know, it's you and your teammates for the next eight months. You're, so, you're consumed, right? I mean, it, yeah. Yeah. And so to be honest, like the first bottle I ever bought, and I didn't know what I was doing, but I had a teammate say, Oh yeah, go buy Jefferson's ocean ocean. And I'm like, Ooh. okay. And then I went in and it was like a hundred bucks. I was like, ah, screw it. I'm going to buy it. Phenomenal bottle. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And so, so I bought that bottle and we finished it off that year. And I had bought in a couple more bottles at, at Costco, just like, okay, I'm going to buy some cheap bottles and kind of figure out if I'm actually going to do this or not. Mm-hmm. Well then in November I had my daughter. So obviously like we weren't sleeping very much. I wasn't really, you know, doing a whole lot of drinking. I was kind of just surviving really. Right. Um, then I came into spring training in 2020 and then we got, you know, COVID shut down, Mm. fully shut down. But our new manager who has been with us just 2020 was his first year. He's a big bourbon guy. So I was chatting his, chatting his ear off, getting a bunch of recommendations. I had had a couple bottles, but nothing where I was like, I didn't really know. You know, I didn't know what I know now. And, um, 
I bought a, you know, 1792, uh, small batch at the ABC yep. store in, in Bradenton here in Florida. And, um, but then you know, when we got sent home for COVID, we went back to Arizona and a really good friend of mine, huge bourbon guy, his dad's a huge bourbon guy collector. He's got a full on like basement full of bottles. And so like, I had the time to really like understand all the differences between bottles and batches and single bear, like everything. Right. I, I dove head first. There's not many things where I like, if I'm committed to it, I'm going to commit to it. Right. I'm, I'm like YouTubing bourbon and all this stuff. And, and I think for me, like also I had someone to enjoy it with, Yeah, you know, I think, and that's what I think everyone in the bourbon community loves is being able to, it, there's no point to have a good bottle if you can't share it with someone that you, you know, you, you love and respect and trust. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what keeps me coming back to the bourbon community is like, there's a lot of good people out there. There's a lot of good bottles out there. You open up good bottles to enjoy and share with other people. And, um, so little by little, I kind of started buying bottles and figuring out what I like, what I didn't like, you know, if I was into the higher proofs, lower proofs. Um, and so I I guess, you know, probably the start of probably the start of of COVID, I mean, dabbled a little bit in 2019. Um, I kind of got my foot, you know, in the door, but I really started to, you know, understand and appreciate and respect, you know, most of that early 2020. And now, you know, I don't have a huge collection, but they're all. Oh, oh give it, give it time, give it oh, time. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, and you said it best, right? I mean, it's a, you know meeting, uh, you know, getting together with people, sharing a pour, talking about what you like. But I think what's also just as important is talking about what you don't like. That way, you're not yeah. kind of making those same mistakes. And you know, the and and I, I don't know if you're white. Uh, congratulations on the on the new baby, by the way, absolutely, or, or, or newish baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if your wife enjoys bourbon or not. Either way, that you know, a really cool thing. So kind of like we're doing now, right? I mean, it's like, okay, well, I liked A, B's a little better. We'll talk about C in a minute. But it it kind of starts to you, you're not you're not stereotyping the bourbon just because you know what it is, right? Or the, or the whiskey. It's kind of like, okay, I have no idea what this is. And it could be any of the three. You might look at color or something and maybe be, okay, I think I know what that is, but you know, where it kind of, it, it starts to lead you and it's going to lead you down your profile path. And you know, the best way to do it is kind of what you're doing, man. It just go buy bottles yeah. and, and start, we've got, um, uh, a heaven Hill ambassador that's coming on the show over the next few weeks. And, you know, his, his big thing is bottled in bond. And he was a, a big proponent and, and kind of helped to get that fired back up and, and, and start promoting this whole bottled in bond thing, which we're having one of those tonight. And it meets some, you know, some certain criteria, right? It's hundred percent comes from the same, uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the same, the same batch and it's in a bonded warehouse. So all these little unique nuances, but it's, you know, and, and you can literally walk in the store and probably spend a hundred dollars and pick up four or five bottles that are just absolutely outstanding. Right. So, I yeah. mean, the price is one thing, but it, you know, it's, we're to the point now that you can't really in certain, some areas or some are, some arenas you can, but it's, you know, it, you'd be dismissing a lot of good stuff if you were solely basing, oh, that's a good bourbon because it's expensive. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. I think that's like, I could drink E.H. Taylor small batch all day long yeah. <laughs> and it's 35 bucks. If you can like, find it. <laughs> we, that's one thing that I will say Arizona does have 
I had oh, one, yeah? I had one little I had one little store down by me that always had three or four, no matter oh, what. It was nice. like an Albertsons. And I'm like, why isn't anyone looking right there? Like it's <laughs> every day, it's right there. But yeah, don't don't tell your friends, right? <laughs> oh, I mean, like I I bought like I think I bought one or two of them, and I and then I had it, and I was like, no, I got to buy another one. So I think yeah. I have like three total, right? Yeah, but sure. I mean, if for nothing else, it's a great gift to someone who doesn't know bourbon because it's a good bottle. It's awesome. And you're not obviously spending a crazy amount of money. So yeah, fairly um, unique. You know, it's, it's one of those things, man. You just gotta, you gotta enjoy it. You gotta, uh, share it with good people. And it's kind of like, it's a little bit of a safe space. You know, you, you, you got good bourbon, you good people and Hey, you wind up and let loose. You wind up at places like this, meeting people you would have never met otherwise. So exactly. It's a a cool thing. Exactly. So what, uh, what about C? What's, uh, what's, what do you think about C? That's interesting on the nose. No wrong answers. And, and whatever you're getting today, you might pick it up tomorrow and, uh, get a, get the exact same bottle and it might be something completely different, man. It's the cool thing about it. I'm almost getting like more fruity. I am too. On the nose. Yep. Uh, I'm getting, like, I can't, I can't put my finger on what the actual fruit is though. All right. Well, I'll, I'll lead you down the path then I'm getting like a ton of cherry on this thing. It's, and it's, I'm not getting like, um, I'm not getting like a cherry cola. I'm almost getting kind of cherry cough drop, but it's weird yep. because I'm also getting like a little kind of, uh, kind of like a cherry marshmallow. If that make, would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like toasted cherry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. And then, um, it's, I'm getting a little nutty kind of, you know, it's a little nutty on the, on the palate. Uh, definitely getting some Oak into this thing. It's got a, a decent finish on it. I mean, nothing crazy, but. It's good. I like it. That's just not at all how I would picture this bottle of this one tasting, you know, like with how much, with how strong that fruity off the bat, off the nose. Oh, and then, and then the taste and the finish you get. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting like, I guess the, I would say the finish on this one is kind of medium. I mean, it, it's kind of lingering around back there and I'm getting yeah. that spicy pepper yep. oaky. Um, it's uh, yeah. To, to your point, like I wouldn't, if you smell it, I mean, you're expecting kind of that, that whole, you know, kind of that gushers. If you remember those little gushers oh, yeah. candy, you know, you bite oh, into them and so it, it, good. that's what I would be expecting, <laughs> so good. but it turns back into whiskey and it starts yep. to give me that, you know, kind of the, so, some barrel, uh, nuances in there. So, yeah, that's, uh, so, so how did we do, man? So we'll, we'll, go, we'll kind of go back through, the, through these as we're talking, but would you, uh, w- would you buy all three of these and drink them? I mean, now that I've had them, I, absolutely. I mean, I think C is the most interesting for me. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I love B was really good. I'm assuming it's a higher proof, hmm. um, that, you know, that peppery finish for a long time, is right up my alley. A little bit of like the vanilla, a little of caramel, a little peppery at the end, long lasting finish. Um, B was definitely my favorite, but I mean, it's like what we're talking about, right? Like you really can't go wrong. You really can't go wrong. Like these bottles are good. Um, a was a was a little, the finish on A was a little bit short for me. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think we're going to find out that's from the proof point, but yeah, in these tonight for me, 
uh, I, I would buy all three of these bottles and drink them. I think yep. a, I would introduce somebody to rye whiskey with a, um, B, if you said I've never drank bourbon or, or rye whiskey, there's no way in hell B's getting anywhere near you because you <laughs> no. probably won't ever drink it, even though it's great. Yeah. It, you probably wouldn't drink it again. And then C's one of those, Hey, I'm, I've been drinking a little, you know, if you said like, Oh, I'm a Jack Daniels guy and all I drink is Jack Daniels. And Hey, if I, you know, if you wanted to expand and kind of, okay, well, how do I start to grow, uh, you know, my, my breadth of perspective or my, uh, you know, advance my palate to maybe something that's a little more unique or something different from whatever your staple is, I'd kind of push you towards the C line. So I I'd use all these in a different, uh, in a different arena for me, what's kind of hitting tonight is I, I'm, I think I'm airing on your side is I'm BCA on these things. Yeah. Yeah. I think I am too. Yep. Yeah. I'm almost getting a little, are you guys getting for, for C mm. I'm almost getting a little bit like that leathery finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I can, it, yeah. Like you said, you said Oki, but like, I just had another one. I'm like, I get that like leathery, almost like a leathery smell, right? Like for me, I always go yeah. brand new glove and I'm like, I'm going to smell my glove for a while. Oily. I kind of got that right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oily too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm yeah. I, I can see where that kind of oily, uh, that, uh, I mean, it's just like this real crisp, uh, clean pronounced uh, that note that's in there. That's, uh, I mean, that, that's how I would kind of tie that leather smell. That's, you know, it's yep. like, it's not, it's I'm, I'm, and then here's the, I got no funk out of any of these things. And, and like, I'm talking about the good funk, you know, that kind of throws you off, but the, yeah, the complexities in C I think are, are really nice. And again, to, to your point, Kevin, so misleading like when you smell it and you get that big cherry that, that gushers cherry bomb and then you taste it and it, it just immediately kind of coats and covers your mouth and turns into uh you know that that big nice robust whiskey but yeah i'm a bca guy too mm-hmm. tonight on this one so i think Absolutely. we're all settled on that i think i pretty much know what they are uh so b is uh hewling station c is catoctin creek and a is sagamore and not to take anything away from anybody on how you got ranked it's not a i, I again i'd buy all three of these uh but just so so b right that's the 116 proof so mm-hmm. the highest proof catoctin's mm-hmm. 100 and then you got sagamore at 83 so it's pretty clear as to why uh you know the other two kind of rides through on the finish but again i, I think they all have a different uh, could serve a different purpose at a different time. I mean, like golf course time, like I'm taking a, uh, I'm taking a bottle of that with me or a flask. I'm, yep. I'm calling rag proper flask. I'm filling yep. that baby up. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a golf course cruiser for me. The other two, uh, great, neat. I think, um, I think C would actually work really, really well in a, in a Manhattan, uh, with that kind of cherry flavor and it's got that big firm, you know, backbone on the, that finish on the end of it. I think that hold up really well in a, in a, uh, in a, in a mixed drink. So. Absolutely. Um, all right, man. So let's see, I'm going to, so now we can just drink freely, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, and get, get to the good stuff. Um, so, so where are you playing at in Arizona? Uh, golf. All over. Okay. So, you know, I, I train in Phoenix. So I, I work out in Phoenix. So I've played, you know, the Raven, which is like an old, like yeah. a, a classic course there whirlwind down in Chandler where I used to live. Um, I've gone as far as like Quintero out in Peoria Hills. One of my favorite courses to speak of. 
Nice. Um, I, I wouldn't say I have one consistent course. I used to play when I used to, I lived in Chandler. I just moved over to like Northeast Gilbert. But when I, when I played in Chandler, uh, Phil just bought a course called Ocotillo. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's almost like a, it's like a palm. You guys have played it or no, seen it. Just heard of it. Played it. Just heard of it. It's, it's like a palm. It feels like a Palm Springs course. A lot of big trees, a lot of water, really, really pretty. No desert at all, which mm. is nice, right? You, you're not going to worry about From being in the desert. You know, yeah. You're not going to worry about scuffing up your clubs. If you know, you're not hitting fairways. I don't hit very many fairways, so I'm good on that. Uh, quit bragging. Um, <laughs> I said, I don't hit many, very, uh, very many fairways. Oh, oh I know um, you're, you're going to give us your handicap in a minute and it's going to be single digit. And that's coming from the guy that doesn't hit many fairways. Yeah, it is. Sorry. Um, <laughs> there you are bragging again. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Man. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've played all over. I mean, I, I've, I've, the problem is, is in Arizona, well, kind of like it yeah. is in Florida, you know, my main months are uh, October. I play as much as I want, but, in Arizona, they overseed. Mm-hmm. So all the courses are shut down. Yep. And then November, December is, I, I play quite a bit. January gets always kind of hairy because I'm really ramping up baseball wise. You know, I'm, I'm training four or five, six hours a day. And then obviously now with a daughter who's, you know, yeah. a year and three months, like I'm trying to also be home cause I'm about to be gone for eight months, you right. know? And, um, I probably played, the most frequently I did this off season, but I would play just, I'd go out and play nine, you know, yeah. at four thirty and get a quick nine in, um, you know, true North is always a classic up there. Um, I've been lucky to play some pretty solid private courses up there. Silver leaf, which is now getting a bunch of cred from, you know, John Rahm oh, yeah. and, yeah. and that place is unbelievable. Well, I, I've actually um, played it several times. My uncle's a member there. He lives in DC ranch right there. So uh, yeah, yeah, that, that course is that that's my, I guess I'm a little biased. Cause now when I go there, I'm like, you know, cause when I go to Arizona, yeah, I mean, I stay with them and yeah. well, they're not going to play anywhere else. Right. So uh, regularly now my aunt, she travels a little bit in kind of the, the, the ladies league kind of stuff. So they bounce around, but I think, yeah. uh, I think my uncle is exclusively there. So, and, and the thing is, is it's like, I really don't need to go anywhere else. <laughs> no, no, you don't. I mean, I, I actually had an invitation to play whisper rock this off season with sweet. my chi- with my chiropractor. And I, it just like didn't work out the last, you know, but I'll, I'll probably get out there next off season, which will be obviously phenomenal, but it's just kind of all over the place. You know, I mean, um, I'd love to play Quintero more. Yeah. I mean, it's like true North, but on steroids, it, but it's just, it's so far. I mean, you're, you're not even in civilization at that point. Um, that's like an hour and a half from my house. So like driving out, I mean, you're, you're gone all day. You're, yeah. It's a commitment, um, right? Yeah. And I, I played there. I played there twice last off season before my daughter was born. And like, it's one of those courses where it's, it's, it's not, it's target golf, but I went out there, I shot an 83 and lost six balls. Mm. And then the next day I, the, I went back two days later and I didn't take the driver out of the bag. I lost, I still lost two balls because if you, if you hit a yard past, if you hit it a yard deep on the green, you're out of bounds, wow. yeah. mm. you know? And so I didn't take the driver out of the bag except for the par fives. And then the next day I shot a 70, 78, I think. Wow. But like this, it was phenomenal. The greens are pure. So is it a, so the way you're describing it, it's Quintera, right? Is that what you you said? Yeah. Is is it a, is it a fair golf course? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's almost like, you know, 
if you don't know where your driver's going, like many yeah. of us don't, you can't hit it. You know, you're, you're, the landing spots from 280 to 310 are this big. Uh, I got you. You know, so like I would go and hit a driving iron and just get short of that. And it wasn't crazy long because they didn't have like the chip, like the tip tips way back there. Right. The tip tips were like 75. I think that's we where Dan always plays. That's where Dan plays from. Yeah. I think we, uh, we played it from like 69, 50 or whatever it was that day. And like, I can get away with hitting a driving iron because of elevation, it rolls out, right. you know, like normal driving iron for me is like 240, 250. If I get elevation, I'm hitting it 280. Yeah. Like you don't even need to hit a three wood at that point for me. So, um, I I've kind of gone all over the place and played a bunch of different places, um, which is nice. Um, I'd like to join a place out there, but you know, we're only there for four months. So right. it's like, yeah, it's kind of, uh, that, that's a hard, well, and you've got so many options of great right. golf courses. So, I mean, yeah. I, I guess one, you kind of get the connectivity now, your, uh, your wife is probably saying you're only here four months. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so maybe, maybe that's yeah. a decision you hand over to, uh, it is, uh, no, no, yeah. but, um, no, uh, no family advice here. I'm, I'm not the right one to give it, but, <laughs> but uh, I got to play, uh, I got to play Mesa country club actually this past off season with a friend of mine that plays on the corn ferry tour, Byron meth. Um, that, that's a good spot and they, they play fast and I love that. Like, their their uh, max like max 18 is like 345 and oh, wow. everyone oh, wow. walks and everyone walks there and it, it's like um it's a phenomenal uh, it's a it's a solid track it's very like it's very much like the courses that that i would play back in california big tall trees you know lush grass it's not deserty at all sure. um and so that was super nice and then the fact that you're playing fast is huge you know yeah, little, I, I like to play not, golf yeah. i don't like to spend five hours on the golf course kind of right thing, you know so yeah yeah and then like you drive home and you're like okay well i spent you know like for me in arizona if i drive up to scottsdale i'm in the car for 30 minutes i play a four and a half hour round i'm in the car for 30 minutes okay well i've been gone for six and a half hours right like realistically you know i'm i'm, I'm getting mentally prepped for golf getting my clothes on trying to pump myself up a little bit hold on that uh, i don't like that outfit i need to get my i need to need, to, need, to do, need another outfit definitely the black <laughs> pants today not the not the blue ones we're good nice, um, no nice. but I, i've bounced around a bunch of places which is nice i've got to play a, a bunch of cool courses um you know so like there's no shortage of good golf out there tpc obviously is a great spot out there yeah. um but like I'm not going to pay 300 in January to play that course when I've played it in October for 60. Yeah. That's a good point. What's in the bag? You know, Oh, I actually just got refitted. So I was playing, I was playing custom irons out from 2017 when I was like a 12 and then a couple, you know, I've, I've started to play more and more and more. I actually, when I, when I lived out here in Florida, I played like six days a week. Oh, wow. So I could go out and play in two hours. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like I would go in the morning and train. I'd lift, I'd hit, I'd run, throw, take ground balls, do everything. And I'm home by, I'm home by noon. You know, at that point we didn't have a kid. So like, you know, whether my wife was at the pool, we'd be at the pool, go to the beach, but I, I'd go out at four o'clock and I'd play 18 and I'd be home showered up and we'd be eating dinner and at six 30. So like I went from a 12, 
I think in Florida, I went from like a 12 to a five, like pretty fast. Wow. Um, and then I got out to Arizona, played a lot. The first off season, I was out there in 18. So we didn't have a kid again. And then I started really dialing some things in. I'd gotten a new driver. Cause like really for me, the, the driver was always the issue. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I wouldn't put it in play. It's just like distance wise. I was giving up for a lot for a guy who I felt like was decently strong and had some pretty high swing speed. Right. And we actually got it. Like I went and got fitted this year again, um, at true spec in Scottsdale. And I was playing the old M two irons when I bought them in 17, the next week, the P seven nineties came out mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, Oh man, I just spent some solid cash. I just got, these old M twos, like it was definitely an upgrade from what I was playing. Um, but so this year I went and got fitted like Halloween time and I was Halloween. I was a 1.8. As I told you, you were bragging. I told you you were bragging. Hey, and this is coming from the guy that doesn't hit fairways. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, for me, like, I was still having trouble with the driver because it was, right. I was super spinny. Like I was hitting, like my max driver was like 280, 285. And I'm playing with my buddies who are hitting at 320. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, what, like what's happening? Like this was a custom fit driver. And um, it was the old M3. I got fitted for it in 18. And we had a 60 gram shaft on it. And now I also had hip surgery in 2020. So I had rehabbed the whole summer. I was feeling really strong, feeling really good. I had a hip that worked again. So I honestly, I believe that that played a part in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a major, major hip surgery where they went in, they shaved some bone down. They put, they gave me six anchors, micro fracture crutches for two months, the whole deal. So, um, I had come back and I was, I was hitting some drivers like, man, like I really, like, I want to get to scratch this off season. I really want to, but I, I am not hitting the driver far enough to do that. Like my irons are solid. Short game is solid. Putting is good. Um, and so I went and got fitted and I was like, I went in there. I was like, I need a new driver. Like show me what's up. So we tested my driver track, man, 4,000 spin on the uh, driver. Yeah. yeah. 280 carry 285 rollout. And the guy's like, you, you swing way too hard. You have too much power in there to really to be hitting it this not far. I'm like, (laughs) I agree. I absolutely agree. That's why I'm here, sir. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so I ended up walking out with a brand new set of irons. (laughs) But no driver, no driver, no driver. So that's the way it works. But I, I I did agree. Like we, we started, we started hitting some irons and like the dispersion rate was just nuts because I was playing those M twos, which like, you know, we're fine when I was a 12, but I had been, you know, playing a lot and I'd gotten down to like, you know, 1.8 or two or whatever. And, um, like my six iron was going like average was going on the range. Right. Cause I, I would never hit this far on, on the course, but like the range was anywhere from 175 to 230. Wow. wow. And they were like pretty yeah. <laughs> driver or not. It doesn't really matter because you're not going to hit the green with this. And, um, so we kind of reined it in a little bit. I, I ended up getting the P seven MCs, mm. which are awesome clubs. I wanted to get the MBs, the muscle backs, but yep. they, I just like, I didn't test as well with them. Didn't agree. Yeah. Yeah. So like I actually lost some yardage, which was okay because I became more accurate. 
Yeah. And then I went, I went and did the driver myself and I got the SIM mm -hmm. and I put a 70 gram black smoke, uh, pro, uh, hazardous, uh, shaft on there. Nice. And that's been the, that I went from, well, so like I had the Arco sensors that tracks your yardages. So like before my old driver was 282, like that was average, not just on the, not on, not just on good ones, but average. I put the new shaft on 70 gram shaft. I went to 292 after like five or 10 rounds. Hmm. I, I put the new SIM head on there. And right now, like my yardage on Arcos is 312. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's uh... so like it was a significant difference when you're talking about 282 to 312. Uh, right. Not that I hit every single ball 312. Yeah, but no, like, no, no. But, but, it's but, it, but it's there. It's in, yeah. it's in the swing, right? So yeah. And so like we, what, what really I think was the biggest difference is like, you're not, I'm not getting the ball flight where it's going and then just going Ballooning straight up and straight down. Yeah. Like I'm hitting it lower now, but it's rolling out. And you know, in Arizona, everything rolls out because everything's hard. So like, sure. even if you hit in the rough, it's going to roll out <laughs> Florida, not so much, but, um, so I go, I took out my four iron and I, I have a one iron, I have a three iron and then five through pitch, um, 50, 54, 58, um, Scotty putter, old, old faithful M two, three wood, and then the SIM driver. Nice. So it's, it's, I, I kind of like do my bag in stages. Um, but cause I, you know, obviously like I don't play all that much, so I don't really want to go drop, you know, six grand on custom full bag, but, um, I was happy with the way that my irons kind of turned out because I gave up probably five or 10 yards on each club, but like even my miss hits are relative. Like my miss hits are ending up pin high and not 30 yards short. No one can afford that. Like no one short game is, is that good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right, right. Hey, so so my ignorance here, but is um, is baseball equipment, and, and I played a little bit during, like in like way way, you know, nothing anywhere close. It was just yeah, I was bored, and they said, hey, we don't have enough kids on the team. Hold this glove and go stand out there. Nobody's yeah. gonna hit the ball to you. You'll be fine. Uh, so, but like a glove, you know, and and, and I played, you know, recreational softball was big back in East Tennessee. You know, it's like <laughs> let's drink beer and let's go play softball. But but a Amen. it's like but you get a good glove glove broken in and it's like i hope that glove never lets me down and it always is with me uh yep. wh what about with it so it's accurate statement right I absolutely mean, yeah yeah so yeah. it's not like ooh, what what's the next best thing for for the glove it's like no i hope this one never has any issues like re re uh what do you, what do you re relace this thing restrain yep, yeah, re yep. yeah relace this thing I, I want it back on my hand so what about bats? Because bats are a little different, especially in the pros. I mean, it's it's all wood, so you're breaking a lot of bats. But is there a fitting process for bats in, in Major League Baseball, or is it just all feel? It's all feel. And it's one of those things, like, obviously, because they can't manipulate it so much. So, like, the bat companies have to be within a certain, um, like, ounces. They only have – they have certain lim limitations on, like, okay, the barrel size is this big – and we have to distribute the weight evenly. It can't be, they have certain standards they have to meet per mm -hmm. MLB standards. Okay. Um, so I think where the variations come into play is you can go, you know, thin handle, thick handle. And, and like, for me, like I have like really big palms and tiny fingers. So like, I always like a thin handle so I can, <laughs> so I can feel the bat. Um, you can, 
customize the bat in any way, shape or form you want, you know, knob, um, the taper. So like yeah. based on how it's going into the barrel, how wide the barrel, if you want to cup the bat or not, which helps, you know, weight distribution, it's customizable, but not really. It's not like they say, you know, this bat is good for you. And this bat is good for you. It's not like golf. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, like with guys, you know, who have played for a long time and have tried a bunch of different bats, I think guys start to figure out, okay, you know, what, what feels good for me? What, what do I like? What do I feel like I'm getting through the zone? You know, well, um, there's no fitting process though. It's kind of trial and error. And I think that's good too, because there are some days where, you know, you're sitting there in July and it's hot outside and you're like, I cannot swing this bat. This is way too heavy for me. You know, if you're swinging a, I I used to use a 32 and a half ounce bat. And like, now I use a 31. I'm like, I don't, I don't need any extra help. Like I'm good. I'm, I'm strong enough. If if I hit it well, it's going to go. Um, but like in the middle of July, those bats feel heavy and you're like, your arms are, they're jelly at that point, you know, and your legs are jelly. If you, if if you're on a 21 day bender with no off days, like, you know, you're feeling it. And I think that's where guys start to get a little bit smarter. Like, Hey man, today, I'm just not feeling it. I'm feeling pretty, feeling pretty lazy. I'm feeling pretty, pretty, you know, lethargic, feeling a little heavy today. And you might drop down an ounce. You might drop down a half an ounce. You might go to a shorter bat. You know, if you got a guy throwing 102, you're not going out there with a 34, a 34 ounce bat. Right. And I think that's where guys have started to take it into their own, you know, into their own uh, account. Like, how can I best help myself today? And it's every day. It's an experiment of what, where you're at, you know, body wise, um, timing wise, you know, there's just times you're, you're in a, a rut where you're just not seeing the ball very well. And you're not it. Baseball players are so funny, like finicky almost where you grab a new bat and it's like, Oh man, this one feels good. I'm ready to go today. Let's go. Like I got this when you may have been really crappy for the last you know, week straight. So, um, a little bit of superstition there, but I I would say, you know, most guys who have been around for a while kind of know what they want, know what kind of feel they want, um, and kind of base it off those. I mean, I've been using the same model for, I'd say probably three years now. The only thing I've changed is like length and weight and it kind of always fluctuates. Um, when you get to the big leagues, they, they order you whatever you want. So you can order, you can order, hundred of this, of you can order a hundred different bats. You also go steal your teammates bats and you like, you try them out for BP and you're like, Oh, this feels nice. I'm going to use this today. Um, so that's also part of it. Everyone, man. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like when you're on the golf course, Oh, let me hit your, let me hit yeah, your yeah, sure. Let me see how it feels like that's part or, of or, it or is it the other, it's like, Hey, I just got this new, uh, new club or bat. Hey, you got to hit this. You got to hit this thing or not, not so much. I think baseball players are a little bit weird with that, you know, okay. because, especially in the game, you know, if you catch a 92, 92 mile an hour cutter off the hands, it's, it's shattered. It's and pop, like, yeah. that may be one that you've been on a hitting streak with, right. which <laughs> I don't get like that, but some guys do and yeah. to each his own, you know? So I hope this don't send anything sideways. I know we got, got to let you go in a minute, but so is, is bull Durham hmm. a good depiction of, uh, of the baseball world as a, as a, as an athlete, be it minors, farm leagues, professional, however you want to put it. And you don't have to answer if you don't want to. No, I think I, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, 
you know, the, I think it's a good depiction of like the lower level minor leagues, but they're changing so much now about the minor leagues, even with like this past year, they've contracted the minor leagues where there's way less teams and way less players. Hmm, interesting. Um, I mean, it's funny. Like when you watch bull Durham and you're like, Oh yeah, no, that happens every day. And you're like, uh, that's Hollywood. That's Hollywood a little right, bit. Right. Um, you know, like the wedding on the field, like, or, or in, in my experience, you know, pitching coaches don't even talk about anything other than baseball. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I feel like sometimes we should talk about other stuff to get our minds off the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think yes and no, you know, obviously there's always going to be things where like, it doesn't apply, but there's a lot of times where like, yeah, no, absolutely. Yep. It's a grind. Uh, it's weird. It's weird. You got guys playing cards in the bus still, even in 2020, 2019, oh. 2021, you know, you got guys playing cards in the bus and, and betting and drinking because, you know, we have an off day the next day, obviously responsibly. Um, and you're not driving your own car home from the sure. field because you're going on the road. So, you know, the, the miners, man, it's a grind, but I think it's designed that way. And I hope it gets better. Um, but it still has to be challenging because no one wants to sit in the minor leagues their whole life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the end goal is to get to the big leagues. Yeah. Like yeah. the end goal is to get to the PGA tour. If you're in the corn Ferry tour, it's not going to be as luxurious as it is on the corn Ferry tour. It's not going to be as luxurious in the minor leagues. It shouldn't be because you're not there to stay there forever. If you're content with that, that may be the last level you play. And that's awesome. That's good for you. Like you made it to that point. But I think for the majority of guys, like it should not be luxurious because they're working for, so yeah, they want more you're working out for of, something yeah. different yeah. than that. Yeah. And you get to the big leagues and you find, you see that reward pay off and it does, it, it absolutely makes it worth it. Um, you know, the way you get treated in the big leagues, the, you know, chartered flights and the food and, you know, you massage therapists there. And like it, it's the big leagues because you're the best of the best and you made it to the big leagues and you're one of, you know, the numbers and freaking crazy. I think it's like 19,000 in the world. Yeah. Actually make have it a, ever made it. And I, the number is going to change because, um, rightfully so they added the, the Negro leagues into the MLB classification, which was way, yep. way long overdue. Um, so I'm not sure what the number is exactly, but there's a very select few guys that make it to the big leagues. And like, you should be treated the best in the big leagues, Yeah, you know, sure. like for, forever. That's what you're, that's what you're aiming for because you're playing against the best of the best. And it's the hard, it's the, it's the hardest level yeah. because you're playing against the best of the best. By and, the way, uh, I, I love the fact that we've gotten three top gun quotes tonight. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it, could, it couldn't be better because it's the best of the best. I love that. Kevin, that is awesome, buddy. Absolutely. So, I, you know, the, the miners are a grind and like, you know, some of the times I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when you really like boil it down, you're playing a game for a living you're getting a chance to hone your craft with 25 other dudes who are trying to do the exact same thing. And that brotherhood in the minor leagues where you're pulling for each other and also working your butt off to be the best you can be to get to the next level and the next level and the next level and the next level you're, I mean, you're always working to get better, right? Sure. But when you get to the big leagues and you're working to get better because you want to stay in the big leagues, 
Well, and I mean, but that's what keeps you there, right? I mean, that's why you see yeah. people with longer career because it's not like, hey, I've made it. I'm going to, I'm just going to ride this out. I mean, it's, yeah. if I don't stay tuned up, somebody else is coming in that's, yeah. that's tuning harder and, and I'm out. I mean, I, I've had parts of three big league years and, you know, last year was on the big league DL because I got hurt in spring training. My want to get to the back to the big leagues is higher than ever because I know that I've been there. I know that yeah. I've done it, but also I know the life that you can have live there. And I know that it's not only the off the field stuff, but just like the overall satisfaction of like, Hey man, I'm in the big leagues. I did it, but I'm going to continue to do it. I think that's the hardest part. And for young guys who may not get, you know, crazy at bats in the beginning, like it's one thing to get there. And everyone always says this, what, that they've been there. It's hard to get there. It's harder to stay. Yeah. And I think that reigns true now more than ever with the way that the baseball world is gone yeah. because there's so many good players and it is a absolute, what have you done for me lately job? Yeah. And it's not like it's a, uh, you know, in sales, you're working on your court, you're working on quarters in baseball. Yeah. It's every day. Yeah. You know, like I've been sent up and down because I've been sent down where I didn't even play. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like, it's like, what did I, I do? but I didn't do anything, but that's the thing. Yeah. Like you're working on a day-to-day basis. And obviously like, you know, guys like trout and Harper and those guys, like those guys are in a different category. Yeah. Those guys are the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. Yeah. But like you got guys like me who have gotten there and are trying to get back and stay that there's a lot more of me's than Mike trout. Mm-hmm. And sure. obviously that guy is uber talented and, an unbelievable guy and obviously unbelievable work ethic to, to be in the position that he is. Um, but I think the minor leagues are designed the way they are because yeah, you don't want to stay there forever. There's a sense of urgency that I appreciate. Um, now, obviously I don't want people to not be able to make enough money because the minor league guys don't make anything Yeah, like they don't make livable wages. And I think that that here's your stipend. Yeah. Right. I, I think it's absolute, it's an absolute joke. Um, but it's one of those things where it's the way it's always been. And yeah. it's, I hope it changes. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think that players deserve the chance to put food on the table for their family and for themselves to be able to chase their dream because guys, I, I know a lot of guys, not me personally, I, I was lucky, but I know a lot of guys who went into debt chasing their dream. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's, mm-hmm. you know, fair. But I know a lot of guys who, who did it and, um, and made it. You well, know? The, and you so- know the, the, the other side of the coin is think about like you, you can't, you're not going to have everybody's not an A-lister. I mean, you just, you, you mentioned a few names, right? You've got the, you've got the elite of the elite that just, Hey, yep. it, it, it's just happening for, and, and they're working hard for it. Don't get me wrong. It's not that yep. they're just uh, Oh, Hey, I've got it. But, but then, but then you've got probably, you know, 80% of the team, that is a, I can get it, but I have to work hard to maintain it and get it and keep it. And, you know, how are you going to field the team? If you've got that, that residual over there, that's not, that's unfunded and you're just depending and hoping, I mean, does that start to erode the sport? I wouldn't say that it has to this point, but I mean, that's kind of the, that's the way I look at it from an economics or a business standpoint is, you know, you're funding this off of a, unfunded, uh, you know, and, and you're making a lot of money off of it too. So there you yeah. go. Yeah. I mean the, the look like 
baseball is in a, in a weird spot right now where the revenue has just been climbing and climbing and climbing. And, you know, I look at it from a business standpoint, if you want a good business, you have to pay your employees well. And the better you pay your employees, the better your business is going to be. Yeah. And it baseball and the players union are in such different spots right now, because I mean, they're going into a, 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 a collective bargaining agreement, essentially, uh, let's call it discussion mm-hmm. this upcoming off season okay. where things are about, hopefully don't get nasty. Hopefully we can resolve it. But right. as we saw last year with, with negotiations and coronavirus scheduling and stuff like that, it, yeah. it was not good for the sport. Yeah. And I think for me, like as a, as a fan, first and foremost, cause I'm going to be a fan way longer than I'm going to be a player. Right. I worry about, you know, the next generation, like why would a kid want to play baseball when the players and the ownership can't even get on the same page? Yep. But you know, when you, revert it back to business. If you want a good business, you pay your employees well, but the players union and the owners are on different pages. And that always, that just never really sits right. You know, whereas the NBA, they're on a different, they're on a different system where it's revenue sharing. Yep. So a high tide raises, rise, uh, raises all boats, right? Yep. Yep. If they make money, they make money. Cool. Exactly. Um, baseball's in a weird spot where they're trying to, protect the sanctity of the game and also make sure it's accessible to kids who don't have the money to, but it's like, we're in a weird spot. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, as an industry, we don't lose the fact that our game is, our game is more important to 12 year old boys and girls than it is to us. Like it doesn't matter what we do but for the next generation to continue this game the way it is like the generations before us came that we are having the ability to play this game. I think that's where there's a lot of blurred lines about where the game is at right now. Yeah. You know, some people would say the great, the game's in the best spot and they're only looking at the numbers. But for me as a fan, as a player, I'm like, yeah, but why would this, why would an eight year old boy or girl want to play baseball when all these discussions are being, you know, thrown out there on Twitter that may or that may or may not be true. Right. Right. Kevin, that is so cool to hear. I mean, so coming from a professional baseball player, but you're actually looking at it through uh, the lens of a fan. And, and I don't know if, if uh, you know, lay people or, or uh, you know, if sports fans, I don't know if we get to hear that enough. And, and if we do, I don't know that it's as genuine as what you just described, but looking at it from a fan of, Hey, but you know, my, my time playing ball is going to be, you know, it, it's, it's not going to be as long as what I'm going to get to appreciate and enjoy baseball. Uh, but that's, uh, that's, that's, that's really refreshing that there are folks that are playing at the, at, at the, at the elite level, best of the best. That's four times, but uh, oh, can boy. resist. Oh, boy. Uh, no, but I mean, I, I mean, it's really awesome, man, that you're, you're in a position that you look at it from you, you've, you can put two, uh, two sets of glasses on and you can see and appreciate it from both sides. I mean, that, that's, uh, that, that's great to hear. All right. So we had, we had kept, we had Kyle Peters, PGA caddy for uh, Mark Hubbard on the show this week. And uh, he's at the Genesis at the Riv this week. We told him we were having you on this, uh, this week as well. He is a huge Pittsburgh pirate fan, Pittsburgh sports fan. And he wanted to know, do you have any tips in terms of where you go drink and dine in Pittsburgh? Wow. That's a good one. Um, 
Oh man. My, my wife is such a foodie that she would have every one of these restaurants dialed in. That's okay. Yeah. And I, I couldn't tell you the names. Okay. Schedule, um, scheduling our second show. Exactly. With, uh, exactly. Mrs. Kramer. Exactly. 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 Like I, I am like food for me is purpose, not pleasure. And it's one of those weird things, but like, she is like, she's yelping every restaurant. She's reading reviews. She's got all the place. Like, so like when, when we go places, I'm like, where are we going for dinner? Okay. <laughs> so like my family came out in 2018 when I debuted and we went to, I mean, we, they were there for, I think a week. It was really cool. Cause I got to obviously like, I got to debut mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Really cool to experience that with them. But like every night we were going to some random place for dinner and like, it was phenomenal. Every place was spot on. Um, but I, I can't really give that many restaurants to be honest. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, in 2019, my wife was pregnant. Mm-hmm. She was she was eight months pregnant. So we like did not leave. All right, I'll do you we solid. Not- I'll do you solid though. Okay, so when you come to Atlanta, you got to go to Local Three, right, Cal? Okay, that's Ooh, bur- that's bourbon bur- paradise. Bur- great, fantastic food. Uh, Chris Hall, which is uh, the proprietor there, a partner proprietor, and uh, the food's fantastic. One of the best bourbon lists that you'll find in Atlanta. And, uh, and he's a hell of a golfer. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he's friends with the folks at East Lake and all that. Actually, that's what we need to work in is how do we get to East Lake and play around with Chris? And, yeah. uh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. I like that. That's for an sure. I, I know we got to let you go in a minute, but I, I got a couple more questions. If we, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to speed round you, but, but, uh, we don't want to wear you out. So, uh, so what are you drinking? I know you mentioned E.H. Taylor, but is it, if you're not, if you're drinking on the regular, is it E.H. Taylor small batch? Is that your go-to? Uh, Weller 107 antique, my everyday, everyday bottle. That's, that's my go-to. You can find that regularly. Ish. Don't, an- don't answer that question. Uh, I'm sending you a message. <laughs> we speak. So, and I can find um, it somewhat, but, uh, yeah, that's through, a good, hey, but- through, through some of my connections, I, I, I can get it decently regularly. So. Okay. So, so let me, and you may already know this, but let me share this. Uh, sorry. I did that. Uh, so, but if you take one Oh seven and you take 12 year and you blend them 50, 50, you pretty much wind up with Pappy. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay, what I so do. Personally. I don't like 12 that much. Okay. Don't well, hate me. No, that's why I, I mix. That's why I mix it with the one Oh seven. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the one Oh seven for me, like I told you guys, like my pal is like, I want spicy, long lasting finish, oaky, vanilla, caramel, peppery. And one Oh seven for me, checks all those boxes. Shit. We well, own this tasting. Then we, this tasting was yeah, the, because ab- it was everything you just described. Absolutely. For me, like 12 is just a little flat. Yeah. I don't know. I can see that. That's just, that's just me. Um, I mean, each other barrel proof, probably my favorite bottle, but I don't drink it off. I I drink that. I've, I think I've had it twice. Like that's like a holiday. That's like a holiday one for me. Um, I actually just got some Blanton's, um, straight from the barrel. And uh, um, send me a sample. I haven't had that yet. <laughs> absolutely. I will. Um, and then the gold, the gold's good. The straight from the barrel is pretty solid. I wouldn't put it up there with each other uh, barrel proof, but um, definitely solid. But I, I would say like 
107 is probably like my everyday like go to one. Like I know I, I keep three of those on hand because I know that I'm gonna drink those the most. Nice. Um you know, like I I love just just Eagle Rare. I mean just like me too, man. Four pick Eagle Rare. I mean, I could I mean I I almost like I don't drink that one anymore because I don't want to run out of it. Yep. And I haven't put in the time to get other ones because I was trying to find other bottles. Um, right, right. Hold I on. You went for, you went from, you don't have a collection uh, or, or, or much. <laughs> so we've gone from one Oh seven, 12. Oh, but yeah. I mean, I mean now hey, I, I don't want to okay, say your bracket okay, again, okay. but Hey, but like okay. a baseball player, here we go. <laughs> well, well it's, he's got a collection, but it's kind of like, you know, like a, like a, like a one handicap collection, you know? Oh, that doesn't hit fairways. I love that. I got probably, I got probably forty bottles right now that I've collected in the past. I don't know, eighteen months, and I bought one for myself in December. Elijah Craig, eighteen year. Ooh, sweet. That I am going. That I'm saving. I have not hit a homer yet in the big leagues. I was. In, in 2018, it, in 2018, I was I was robbed by Billy Hamilton in Cincinnati. <laughs> Took one back from me. Are you and Billy and, still friends? <laughs> no, I told Billy when he got to second base the next day. I was like, Billy, that was my first homer. You just robbed. <laughs> he goes, Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm like, You didn't need to do that, dude. You've been on freaking Sports Center top ten plenty of times. Like, just let me have my day. You know. <laughs> I love that. And uh, did did you did you say when you saw him after the game? Did you say Billy? And that's why I tripped you. no he was he was a super cool dude i mean obviously like super super athletic guy um but i bought that elijah craig 18 year up in the mountains when we were my family was away for a vacation and i was like i'm gonna designate that as my one bottle when i hit my first homer which hopefully is soon who knows i've only had a little bit of at bat so i'm not gonna say i mean i wish it would have come sooner but i you know everyone's journey is unique so um that's the one bottle i'm saving for my first homer and then I really, what I really wanted to do is I was before I was into bourbon, like I wanted to buy a really, really nice bottle of wine on the day that I debuted mm-hmm. and then open it up when I retired. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I, sweet. I missed that. I missed that mark. So yeah. I'm going to have to find something else, but I, you know, coming off hip surgery in 2020, I, I'm, I'm like a whole new player. So I'm going to well, go back in. Yeah. Re- restart yeah. the uh, process. Right. I mean, I'm 27, but I feel like I'm 17, so we're good to go. There you are, bragging again. I you never can, hit fairways, but I'm a one handicap. You can still get a you can still get a good bottle of wine that uh, the yeah. year the year you debuted. You can still get one. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For yeah, sure. that's yeah. But, you uh, just buy the bottle from the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, we, we've kept you longer than allowed, sir. And uh, we, we really appreciate you. I, I, I do have one more question. It's been resting. I'm like, I, but do you, so, so in, in the, uh, in the, the, um, the ballparks that you played in, do you have a favorite? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's hard because it's, it's so sentimental for me, but um, AT&T park in San Francisco, which oh, yeah. I think is like oh, yeah. now like, Oracle Park. I call it Pac Bell because that's what it was when it yeah. opened up in 2001. But the College World Series, is that the tie? <sighs> no, no. It's AT&T Park. It's tough because w- when I played at the College World Series, we didn't play at Rosenblatt, the old stadium. Uh-huh. We played in the brand new one at TD Ameritrade. Ah, uh, gotcha. So, like, there wasn't much history behind it for me. 
Like in 12, it'll only been open for one year. But didn't you play, you played in the, at the, at the park in San Francisco, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I got there in, in 19, I, I ended up going, um, I got called up in like, I don't know, a little bit later than normal, but I got out to San Francisco. My whole family was there, which was why it was my highlight. Um, I like grew up a giants fan. I used to sit in my parents' bedroom and like old fashioned would keep score on like the, oh, yeah. on the, on the, on the books, on the score books, two, three, like be, one, four, three. Yeah, yeah. I'd be, I'd be, you know, uh, slashing the strikes and balls like yeah. every game, every night for years and years and years. So like as a kid, I got to watch Barry Bonds hit man. Like the guy just changed baseball, mm. you know, steroids mm. or not. No, I don't really care. The dude's when, the best hitter of all time. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You can't, you can't, yeah. you can't even, you can't, some people do. Congrats. You can have it, whatever you want. Um, so for like, for me to like, I got to San Francisco when I was with the pirates, I went up to the top deck. I looked out on the stadium and I was like, Holy crap. Like, this is what I made it for. Like I got, I got here, you know, like I sat in the bleachers, my first ever big league game with our first ever, um, giants game as a kid, I didn't move from my seat for nine innings. <laughs> didn't move. Like I didn't want to go play with football in, in the park that they have there. I didn't want to go and get a soda. I didn't want to get a hot dog. Like I literally did not move. And I have so many memories there with my parents, with my mom. My mom used to take me out of school randomly and just go up to the city and watch a game. And like, for me, like that was so special for me to be able to get and be able to play on the field. Mm-hmm. And I played left field in San Francisco. Holy cow. Like, the same freaking position yeah. that Barry Bonds played. And I had never played outfield before that in the big leagues. Oh, wow. So for me, like it was really, really special. Obviously my wife, my wife was pregnant at that point. We we're about to have our daughter, but like I had my grandpa there who was like the ultimate sports fan. I had my, my parents there obviously who did everything in the world to get me to the spot that I was. I had my nephews and my nieces there. Like, so it was a full on like sentimental experience. Um, so obviously AT&T pack bell, Oracle park, whatever the hell you want to call it, um, is really special for me. PNC is baffling to me, like unbelievably gorgeous ballpark. And, you know, as a kid growing up, growing up, growing up on the West coast, you don't hear about Pittsburgh, but for me to like walk into that stadium and like, holy crap, this is so cool with the skyline behind you with, with, Mm -hmm. with, with, like, wow, mind blowing. Um, you know, it's been, it's been some rough years for us when I've been up in with the pirates, like we haven't been very good and I didn't, no one's trying to say the opposite, but, um, going to St. Louis Mm. was probably my favorite baseball experience Mm. because I think more than anything, it's a really cool place to play. Obviously there's a lot of history there, but what I really appreciate, and this is from a, just a pure baseball standpoint is like, they, they clap for everyone. Mm-hmm. They don't care yeah. if it's home or away. Like right. I, I was playing third base there and I made a nice play on a bare hand bunt and I, you know, whipped it over to first and made a nice play. And like, they were clapping. And I'm yeah, like, that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. It, it's, it's pure baseball. Right. And you go to Wrigley and they're talking about your high school girlfriend. And it's like, well, I could have gone without that one, uh, but you know, Wrigley's a cool experience too. But I think for me, like pure baseball, yeah. St. Louis was really special because 
obviously there's so much history and the organization runs itself phenomenally, but pure baseball, they, they just want to see good baseball yeah. and they're okay. If the Cardinals lose, if it's good baseball and that was like, like through and through pure baseball. And yeah. that, for me as a fan, baseball junkie, baseball player like that meant a lot to me especially as a young guy that made a big big impression on me i've been to one pirate game at, at home there i mean that that stadium is fantastic the experience from a fan perspective is fantastic i think i was there in like july and it was pretty cool outside i was like what in the world is this but you know, it's pretty dang cool yeah. and you got the barry bonds tie-in there is there any cool things that they did for barry back there or no 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 it's more all san francisco stuff they just forgot the pirate days yeah yeah i mean i think it seems like everyone from the baseball, like we could go and I could talk about this for yeah. just days, but like well, everyone, that's in the, the baseball, next show, next show. Okay. okay. And everyone from the baseball community has kind of thrown Barry out. And I'm oh, like, okay, I got you. Man, how could you do that? You know, this guy, whether you, whether you like it or not, Barry, Mark and Barry, Barry McGuire and Sosa changed, changed baseball. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you know, Sosa and McGuire had it, uh, I don't even know what year it was, but the race to 61 to beat yeah. the Homer record yeah, that changed baseball. Yeah. And that brought baseball to the, the point it is now, like everyone talks about tiger and the, the impact that he had on golf. Yeah. Well, the, that's think, the same, th that's the same thing. Yeah. Think about, baseball. think about it Bryson is. and all the noise that's being created right now. I mean, yeah. it's, it, I agree with it. it, it it's no relation to any, uh, anything that's, uh, <clears throat> that that's conflicting on, am I, am I legal or not legal, but, but it's news. Right. And, and you could wind up, it's kind of like baseball. You could wind up kind of, uh, you know, mid game, there's a reason they have a seventh inning stretch because yep. you could wind up in a lull and uh, we've lost everybody. We need to get them back in the game. And that's Absolutely. exactly what Bryson's doing. I think, I think it's what the USGA is doing with the uh, proposed rule changes. I don't actually know if they're going to go through if other than it's just marketing and noise and things that are happening that's uh, like, Hey, well, this could be something that we look at for these reasons. Because, uh, you know, is the amateur average golfer watching and and paying attention to that? But to your point, not to get back on golf again, even though it is a golf show. <laughs> um, but, but but I mean, to your point, like it's it's like that 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 created news and a buzz. And uh, I mean, it, it was like it, it was actually steroids for MLB. Yeah, I mean, like that, that that catapulted the game into the next era. And like, you know, we, we, as a, as a fan, like we kind of hit a little bit of a lull right after that, like you're talking about. Um, and then it's really never rebounded, but then you have these TV deals that get thrown into it that kind of make up for it. And like, it makes it seem like it's going great, but look, man, I don't care. I've never personally taken steroids. I don't know how it affects your body, Yeah, but those hands, those eyes, yeah. the way that he went about his at bats, the way that he like best at of all time, hands down, Gagne versus Bonds. It was like a 13 pitch at bat. <laughs> He's fouling off like 90 mile an hour sliders, which back then was nuts. Now that's like reg on the reg. And he he pulls one foul like 99 into the, into the, into McCovey Cove. And everyone's like, like, but that was good for baseball. That's what drew kids like me into the game. Yeah. And not only kids, but you had kids' dads that were like, let's go outside and hit, let, let's hit homers. Yeah. And you had kids' grandparents like, back in my day, you know, Willie Mays was playing. I had all those stories, man. That was what, like, 
lit the fire under my butt to go play baseball. And I think the talent is so spread out now that, yeah, there's a lot of good players, but especially with media, like if one guy has one good year and he's not the great, he's not the best the next year, like, Oh, you're out. Yeah. Yeah. You're you know, a dog so like, all of a sudden, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you have to be great every year and like that, but even then you have trout and he's underappreciated because yeah. he's done, he's been the most consistent player of our, our generation. And because he plays in Anaheim, you know, <laughs> 30 miles outside of LA, he doesn't get the press because he's not in the East coast. Yeah. No one on the East coast is staying up to watch uh, an angels game at 10 30. Nope. Not happening. Mm-mm. So I could talk for hours on yeah. this stuff. I know. We're going to let you we'll, go. We'll get, we'll, but, we'll get if, if we can get into it next time, I'd be more than happy to. If, if, <laughs> if, if we didn't screw this up too, well, let, let me rephrase it. Cause Dan always I, I, gets I've got mad one golf question to I ask him we. at the end here. Okay. But, but, but well, yeah, if, if we, I say we, and Dan's like, there is no we, it's you that did the talking. So if I didn't screw this up too bad, I would really like to do uh, a completely different tasting. And I know your schedule is going to get screwy. So it could be, uh, we don't know when it's going to be, but we'd love to have you back on. I mean, I, I think um, I said it earlier. I mean, the just the insights that you gave from, from, from a player and uh, from a player and a fan. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, well, I didn't know Kevin Kramer and I don't know you in person yet, but I know you as far as what we've shared. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was going to be a cool conversation. We got a baseball player on and it's going to be a fun chat. I have so much more respect for you and, and not that I didn't have respect for you, but you've re- garnered a lot of respect for me from the standpoint of the way you framed a lot of the statements up in the conversation about, Oh no, are you shooing me off? No, I know. I know. I know. Oh, Oh, but, Oh, well it's 30 degrees in Atlanta. We don't have bugs right now. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, you're bragging again. There you go. Right. But, 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 but I, I really thought, I mean, the way you addressed uh, some of those, just some of the statements, man, I mean, it goes to show that, you know, if you, if you're not following it and it's sometimes, Hey, find out who's playing on the team, find out who's out there because there are people that are kind of moving through and, and that are on the team that are really cool to follow other than the, you know, one or two or three, whatever, you know, kind of, uh, uh, I, I can't label it, but, but it, it, it's a really cool thing to get to talk to somebody that's in the trenches and that's, uh, you know, that that's making it work. So, man, I, I appreciate it so much. And I, I'm glad you enjoyed the whiskey. First off, Kevin, I'm going to, I'm going to warn you, Cal's going to ask for like 12 shots when you guys play together. All right. <laughs> got it. You yeah. got it. Yeah. And number two, here's my last question. What's your dream for some? Oh man. No, you can't include me because I'm here and listening and I'll be embarrassed. <laughs> I said this a couple of years back and oh, okay. I, I, I said this to some friends. I think I would go tiger. Okay. Arnie mm. and Obama. Nice. Okay. Wow. Ooh, and I, good one. And I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a Democrat yeah. by any means, but I think Obama has got such a unique lens with, his experiences, not only, you know, as a politician, but like a guy who genuinely enjoys golf as well. Um, so I, I, you know, for me, like I talked about it earlier, but going to LA opened up my eyes to a whole nother experience, a whole nother world. Yeah. And I have found more often than not that like the more I expose myself to 
different perspectives, different people's experiences, like the more that I can potentially take and, and use in my own life. And I think, you know, Obama as a, as a hardcore Democrat from where I come from was not looked at as a, you know, very popular president. And I'm like, you can look at it one of two ways. Oh, okay. Well, you know, he's a Democrat and I come from a, you know, hard, hard right farming town. Like, Hey, look, I appreciate both sides right? and both sides have a lot to contribute to our, our history. But I think for me, like, it's interesting with Obama, like I'm reading his book right now and it's phenomenal. And I, I probably wouldn't have said that, you know, 10 years ago when I didn't go to LA and experience these new things. And they Um, said baseball players couldn't read. Right. Right. (laughs) So I think for me, like looking at his experiences, looking at different perspectives, like I just want to take it all in and be able to formulate my own opinions based on a lot of different perspectives. And I think, you know, baseball is so unique in that area where, you know, we got guys from Latin America, we got guys from Europe, we got guys from, you know, um, obviously the United States, but like so many different people. And if you're not learning from each and every one of those guys, you're not really doing yourself or your family or your community a service. Because if I was the same person that I was when I got out of high school as I am now, I didn't really do any of those people a service. I didn't grow. And, um, Arnie obviously is a fascinating person because before Tiger, he really did grow the game Oh yeah, from where it was. Oh yeah. I mean, the guy freaking founded golf channel, well, the like, golf channel. Are yeah. Are you kidding me? Like I wouldn't even be a golf fan if it wasn't for the golf channel. So, <laughs> um, you know, Arnie, I think again is underappreciated in this world. I, I think the golfers understand that and the golf community understands that, but, but just from a person of like, in this world, in this society, how he treated people, I think is what this country is aiming to get back towards. And I hope we get there one day because that's what I want my daughter to, to know. I want my daughter to treat people with respect, even if they have a different opinion. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. What can I learn from you? What, how can I help you? How can I, you know, I can love you and have a different opinion. And then obviously tiger. Yeah. I mean, the guy has, I think for me, Tiger is two parts because you see the competitive side in him early on Mm -hmm. and not that he's not competitive now, but you also see the human side of him now. Sure. And that's always something that I've kind of wrestled with of like being from a small town, people saw me as an athlete and not a person. Mm -hmm. And now Uh, that I have a daughter, I'm like, I am the role model every day for her. And if how I want to, how I want her to see me is how I need to act every day. And I'm a dad first and then I'm, I'm Kevin Kramer second. And then I am baseball player, Kevin third. Mm-hmm. Right. So like we talk about the window of opportunity with being a baseball player. Cool. I'll be a baseball player for however long I have, but in reality, like I'm going to be a dad way longer. Well, that's a and, lifetime. Right. And it's up to me to establish how I want her to see me as a person and then I'm a baseball baseball player as my job, not I'm a baseball player and then a dad and then a human. Right, right, right. So I think Tiger is interesting in that when you really dive into his career and you see it more now than ever, right? Like he's he talks to JT all the time about, you know, certain courses and sure. he's talking to Rory and he, he's mentoring guys and you never saw that before. And as a kid growing up, I didn't watch Tiger because I didn't 
get into golf. Right, right, right. So like I go back and watch freaking Tiger in 1997 YouTube, man. I'm watching the videos and he's a savage. He's no, a savage. he's a killer. He's a killer. He's a stone cold killer. And I appreciate that. But I also appreciate now that he's a human being and yeah. is showing the, the softer side of him but also maintaining the killer assassin type that he is you, you, on the court. He, he can't teach that killer mentality. I, it, no. it almost comes off off putting it. And, and I don't know that it's him doing it, but when, when tiger did it, I didn't take it off putting when no. all these other guys were doing it. I'm, I take it a little off putting and it, we don't have to yeah. name names, but I'm like, like tiger never, because tiger was like out of the picture. Right. You yeah. didn't, you didn't see him. You didn't, there was no, and then, you know, and now these other guys are trying to give that killer image and I think they're doing a pretty shitty job of it. Some <laughs> yeah. of them, not all of them, but yeah. some of them, some of them. Well, well you got, you got to create your own thing, right? Yeah. You got to, you can't, you can't like try to replicate tiger. No one's going to do that. Right. Like it's just not going to happen, man. You got to create your own thing. And you know, while you can replicate greatness, you can't replicate his routine. Yeah. Like you can't wear, a certain shirt on Sunday because you think that you want to wear blue on Sunday now. Like, no tiger wears red on Sunday because that's what tiger does. So like you gotta, you gotta create some of your own, you know, routines and, and things about you. Like no one's ever going to replicate tiger. Yeah. Like you can't try to be Barry Bonds. It's not going to work. Yeah. Be your own guy and create the greatness that you, you know, you set out to strive for. Yeah. Exactly. I'll tell you, I think that foursome is really cool. And I will tell you, I would love to be a fly on the wall because the trash talk between all three and including you four is going to be insane. I can see Barry being a ton of a t trash talk. I know Tiger is secretly a huge trash talker and uh, Arnie, oh, yeah. Arnie is too. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Kevin Kramer, we, you have been, uh, you have been more than generous, sir. Uh, I hope we're not in trouble and it's like, you can't hang out with those guys again, even though it happens often. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I'm not talking from, uh, from agents or sponsors. I'm talking about from the most important or maybe second, most important, equally important first person. Equally important. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm trying to frame that up. Right. So, but, uh, Hey, uh, I've loved it. Dan's loved it. Absolutely. Um, we, we've really gone through some really cool stuff with you. And, uh, like I said, man, we'd love to have you back on the show and chat when you're available and, uh, and I'm going to blow your mind with the next stuff I'm sending you. <laughs> I, I've already written it down. You're getting, you're getting barrel finished the next time. Ooh, Ooh baby. All right. I'm in. I'm Hold on. If you call me baby again, we're going to have issues. <laughs> Not you and me, oh, but I'm saying that the I home appreciate front. it guys. It's been a good uh, time. Right. It's been a good time. I'm always up for, for chatting with some bourbon and some golf and some ball. So I appreciate it guys. Right, Thank man. you. Cheers. Yeah. Kevin Kramer. Cheers. Hey, stay healthy this year and good luck, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks, cheers. Guys.